0: Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen, history point, bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining.
1: Is there anything you don't gamble? Uh,
0: not really. Gambling
1: gods, fickle bunch. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambler's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to the Full Slate Sunday Scaries podcast. I'm your co host, Cody Darwick, joined by my brother out in Chicago, Tyler Darwick. Tyler, I think we're both playing this one a little hurt today.
2: Yeah, fun weekend in Miami. So a little tired just getting back here to Chicago, but it's good to see you.
1: Fun to be in some warm weather. So that's always good. Yeah, it was a little windy, um, which may explain some of Jameis's uh, passes on Saturday. But yes, yeah, great weekend in Miami. Got to watch, I mean, a full, truly a full slate Saturday and Sunday of, of good games, especially Saturday. Yeah. Um, kind of nice actually uh to do the three on the saturday i liked it a lot yeah it was good i know they do
2: saturday games every year but it felt like this year it was you know planned out all the games were really good and never i've never feel like they have three so good job by the nfl and i feel like this might be something they continue to implement more not just you know the last week or two of the season
1: yeah i feel like i mean The games are never that good, I feel like, on Saturday. These were three games with playoff teams in all of them, uh, so they definitely got that right. And I already saw the NFL. Did you see they flexed back? Like Essentially, all the games that mean something next week start at 425, Um, so we'll get into what happened, obviously, today, but pretty... Pretty good job by the NFL there. Essentially have have all the chaos um, going in the late games at 425, so no one knows what's going on and a lot of scoreboard watching, which makes for the best content. Definitely a good move
2: by the NFL. They usually put all the games early and then people complain, so I'm glad they're moving it late, and they obviously flex 49ers, Seahawks, a Sunday night, so that'll be a great game. It's the last game of the decade in the NFL, which is just a crazy thing to think and say, but it'll be awesome, so exciting to have some meaningful Week 17 games.
1: Mm, it's a dramatic last game in the decade, but uh, Tyler, Sunday's scariest moment, I will kick it to you first, since you so bravely just got back from the airport. You're you're a little all over the place, but you're doing this for the listeners, as you, as you so... So politely reminded me that you had to wait at the airport for an extra hour. You're just annoying me to no <laughs>
2: end tonight. Um I mean you got you got home two hours ago. I just got home, so I don't want to hear you complain about how late it is there. Um, you know, I, I just walked in the door, so oh, you, you irritate
1: me. So Tyler and I we we rotate who ep- who edits which episode. Um and I texted I texted you, Tyler, what, about 20 minutes ago saying, can you edit this one? Even though it's my turn, you said, why can't you do it? I said load management. So LeBron can do it tonight, so can I.
2: I mean, I don't think LeBron's uh, doing load management, but we don't have to get into it. My Sunday scariest moment is fans of tanking teams, so we had two kind of epic tanking games today. (laughs) You stole uh, will We'll we'll play off each other. That's just... That's great. So the Dolphins and Bengals in Miami, that game went to overtime 38-35. The Dolphins won. And the Giants-Redskins game, another NFC East tanking game. Giants won that 41-35 in overtime. Just two wild games between awful teams. And that's what makes the NFL great. On Sundays, you know, even when it's bad teams, a red, these are just two awesome red zone games. I mean, Cincinnati fans had to kind of be super nervous. They're down 22 in the fourth quarter, feeling great. They come back to tie that game. They get the onside kick. Dalton throws a touchdown on to Eifert at the end of regulation. They get the two-point conversion, go to overtime, and they're they're in a spot today. If they lost, they clinched the number one pick, so they had to be feeling nervous. The Dolphins end up winning in overtime, so... Bengals officially have the number one pick and then the Giants Redskins game this was just a classic game where you know the players are playing hard it's exciting two young quarterbacks going back and forth but fans of both teams are praying they lose and the Giants win the Redskins lose so now Giants find themselves tied with Miami um and they're four and five. I don't know how that's going to shake out as far as strength of schedule and everything. So those two teams, you have to feel awful because the Dolphins traded away all these guys in hopes to get the number one pick, and the Giants were hoping to get the second pick in Chase
1: Young, and that feels like that's out the door. Yeah, I feel like Brian Flores should win some kind of award for what he's done with this Dolphins team. Uh, Essentially, they're out outwardly tanking the season and they they figured out a way to win four games which is impressive but yeah this was gonna be mine as well and more so like honing in on on giants fans i said it last week i gave my grandpa billy's bum of the week to eli manning and the giants for winning that game Versus. uh Last week, and I just had a feeling that they're going to go into Washington, win that game. And it turned out it happened. I'm not sure what Bill Callahan was doing. The Redskins scored uh, to make this game 35 34. Essentially, his time's running out, and he doesn't go for two. There's like 20 seconds left. To, you're three and twelve, you're three and eleven you're playing the Giants at home, just go for two, go for the win. You already lost dwayne Haskins. he got hurt. he was out. Case Keenum comes in. he was slinging the rock just just go for two, Why not? but they don't, and the game goes overtime. Giants drive down the field score, and you know what good for Daniel Jones, he had quite the game three for three fifty two five touchdowns. The over in this game was through the roof Th- that never really had a chance and then like you said, the Bengals game uh, versus the Dolphins. I saw something on Twitter basically take the under in games where the wind's 20 miles per hour plus the, the under is significantly uh, the profitable bet. And that game also smashed the over. So two wild games and like truly like a, a final four playing game to the f- number one uh, overall seed and for tanking. But hey, these teams they they came to play. You got to give them some credit for that. That moment with the Redskins you mentioned where they didn't
2: go for two, you just have to wonder if, you know, Callahan maybe is an earpiece in and Daniel Snyder is, you know, going into him saying, do not go for two here. We need to get
1: the better draft pick. Um, True tanking moment. Yeah, or right. Or or go for two and just drop some like dumb play, like throw a fade route. That's not going to work. Just do that.
2: Yeah. I mean, Case Keenum came in and played well, so maybe you don't have faith in him there, but. You know, the players play hard, but then you think, do the coaches, are they incentivized to tank? I mean, Bill Callahan's just an interim. He's not going to get extended, most likely, or hired full-time, but something you think about, good game for Daniel Jones. Saquon had his first awesome game of the year, Um, so these will inflate his stats for the season, and then, um, you know, if you were lucky enough to have him in your fantasy league and you made the finals, good for you, but probably disappointed everyone this year um and then yeah i mean i don't i feel bad for the giants fans they wanted chase young this whole time race for chase it looked like they were squarely in position to get that that number two pick but now they're out four or five i don't think it's gonna be possible so my heart really breaks for the giants fans and just looking at looking at the standings it's shocking the lions have the third pick right now um this what they started the year three and three and two right they were like they were two two and one no they were i think they were they were three oh and one or, or no they weren't but they were no. they you know they they started the season
1: well they They've were lost they were two oh and one yeah. then they lost three in a row but they almost beat the chiefs at home i remember that game they covered
2: yeah, and they almost beat the, the Packers the like Packers. they had a couple they yeah. had a couple games there. I know Stafford got hurt, but they announced that Patricia and Bob Quinn, their GM are coming back next year. Move makes absolutely no sense to me. Stafford getting hurt is, you know, obviously terrible and that's going to tank your season, but Matt Patricia is a defensive coach and the defense is terrible. One the worst in the NFL, so I don't understand what the Lions are doing there. So on a Sunday where, you know, there are obviously a lot of games that have playoff implications. We'll talk about great day of tanking games and
1: just all around excitement. Kind of a tough weekend for you, actually, because the Lions come out and they say, hey, we're going to be a Matt Patricia another year. The results have to be better. Um, and also in Jacksonville, uh, Tommy Coughlin gets canned. But uh, Doug Marone gets the vote of confidence that he'll likely be back in 2020. We'll so, we'll see what we'll see what happens. Okay. there. okay. I just I just want to uh, make sure you're managing your expectations here. But we're gonna change it up. Normally we do lock of the week recap, get to or sorry, Sunday scariest moments, and then get to some of the premier games. But since both of our lock of the weeks were some of the premier games, we're gonna get to those up front. Tyler, we'll go in chronological order here. And also, since you're a loser of of two in a row, I'll be polite. And uh, I'll let you get started here. So I had the under in the Bills-Patriots game,
2: 37. Felt great about it. All the trends I gave out, the Bills were hitting the under. They had the best record in the NFL on hitting the under this year. And, you know, the game mostly went as expected as a defensive game. Um, There were a couple big plays that did hurt me, obviously, that when you're taking an under, and especially the slow, you just can't get. The John Brown 53-yard touchdown. um, And then... Before the half, Josh Allen had a crazy throw to, I think it was Dawson Knox maybe, on the Bills that set Mm -hmm. them up for the touchdown before half to make it 10-10. Plays like that, uh, you don't expect in this game. I didn't think Josh Allen was going to make those type of throws versus the Patriots. He did, so good step for him. You know, it was 41, still low-scoring game, but obviously didn't hit. Um, So disappointing, but you know i was confident in the pick and all the trends would tell you that it was a good pick so can't beat yourself up too much as far as the actual game goes i don't know i still don't <laughs> I, I still don't believe in the patriots as i don't think they could beat the ravens in the playoffs and i think they're going to have trouble getting past uh the chiefs most likely in that second game and for the bills this kind of what I expected. Like, I thought they were going to play a lot better. Josh Allen had some moments, but he still has those moments where he misses throws on the second and goal at the end of the game with a chance to tie it. He misses the guy in the end zone. They they just can't get over that hump
1: right now. I don't think Josh Allen is there. Um, yeah, I think this Bills team, we I mean, they had a real chance at the end of the game to win it. On their second and goal play, Josh Allen had the tight end open. He just was him and and that's kind of the story. But, I mean, he did only complete completed 13 to 26 passes, 208 yards, two touchdowns, but definitely made some, like, big-time throws on that last drive and even on the QB sneak where he initially gets stuffed, like a, a shifty move by him to figure out a way to get the yard uh, creatively. But I agree. I don't think this, this game tells us anything we didn't know about either team. Like, the Bills' defense – is solid they they did well but the patriots at the end of the day they their offense finally did show up uh they had over 400 yards brady's numbers were pretty good 26 33 270 yards and they actually ran the ball um which is something they haven't done all year uh sonny michelle almost eclipsed 100 yards 21 Gary's 96 yards and this the spread was like right on um as Vegas normally is bills are six and a half point dogs. I know Tyler, you had the money line that like that had some real life for a while. Um, I, I don't know. I still think I actually, I kind of like the bills. It's, it's looks like we're, we're we're essentially we're going to get a a bills Texans first round matchup. I kind of like the bills in that. Yeah. We'll see. I mean,
2: I don't know what the spread of that game will be, but we'll, we'll see. Texans are capable of losing any game and beating any team, so we'll, you never know. Josh Allen on a road playoff game doesn't inspire a ton of confidence, but... The way he played Saturday night, maybe he could continue that momentum. And the Bills' defense has been good, but they didn't sack Brady, which is shocking. The way their offensive line has been playing, the way Brady's been playing, seems like you get pressure. I, I still don't their offense. Rex Burkhead was their leading receiver with 77 yards. Like I don't think that's going to be sustainable uh, in the playoffs when they're fl- facing a Chiefs or a Ravens if they get to that. So I'm still not a huge believer in this team, but nice win for them. Um and then they win next week. They clinch the bye, so they need that. I assume they're going to beat the Dolphins in Foxborough. Um, but let's move on to your lock of the week. You had the under in the Eagles-Cowboys game.
1: That hit easily, so I'll let you kind of talk about it. Thank you, Tyler. Yeah, this the total was 46, and obviously 17-9. Pretty good result for me. I was sweating it out a little bit early just because the – The Eagles did score 10 points pretty quickly in this game, uh, but the game flow gave me a lot of promise, just that the Eagles were kind of playing a little bit of keep away and that Dak looked very rusty in the first half, and that never really got going. They did score, they scored 10 points within, by the four minute mark of the first quarter, but after that, it was a lot of long drives, stalling out, or missed field goals. Um, those are always good. But I think the story here is that this Cowboys team just did not come to play at all. Um, they had a number of drops. I believe they had six in the game. And it was one of those games that it's a one-possession game, and Dak Prescott, this is on the road in Philadelphia. Weather was decent. It was like 40 degrees, but still, cold-weather game. And he throws the ball 44 times in a one-possession game. Zeke Elliott off a of monster week last week. When the team put up over 40 points and rushed for over 200 yards, you'd think they'd mirror a similar uh, game plan. They don't. He only carries the ball 13 times for 47 yards. He never really got going. They, they had a few like huge drop, uh, drop passes. This one, Michael Gallup dropped a touchdown a pass that would have been a touchdown late in the game um and i guess you got to give the eagles some credit carson wentz played well he this uh, we spoke about it on the Pick'em pod this was the biggest game of his career and he showed up he was 31 for 43 19 one touchdown the cowboys were two and a half point road favorites in this one at the time of kickoff and we were talking about it yesterday like that line just i, I don't know it felt Like, how in what world did the Cowboys lose? And this was that world. They were sloppy. They were the worst coached team. They came in, and I don't know if you got this vibe, Tyler, from the game, but like nobody on that team cared, it felt like, except maybe Randall Cobb on the last possession. Like, he seemed to have a little emotion and energy, but everyone else just felt kind of dead. And these different guys on Philly continue to step up. They eke past the Redskins and the Giants the last two weeks, but. Zach hurts his ribs early in the game. It looks like he's wincing. I'm not sure what his injury was, but Dallas Goddard had a big game. He stepped up. Miles Sanders had over 140 total yards uh, from scrimmage, 150 actually. And Greg Ward Jr. Like all these guys just stepping up in a game where they needed to. And it was the opposite from Dallas. And I saw a tweet, uh, (laughs) <laughs> the Cowboys were getting criticized. They didn't have a Mark Cooper in the game in some key moments. People are saying he's benched and the Cowboys came up and said that they just want to give Tavon Austin a shot because the D backs on the Eagles are having a hard time with smaller guys trade the first round pick for Mark Cooper. He's got to be out there. Um, and this other little tidbit Tyler that I love the Cowboys' plane is stuck in Philly. Um, they're having mechanical issues. So can you just imagine the vibe on that plane right now? <laughs> Sunday scary is all about for the Cowboys. Uh, Jerry Jones probably just wants to throw uh, Jason Garrett. Jason, in the... Yeah, he's. it's got to be Jason Garrett's Sunday scariest moment. Like He's just stuck with the guy that he knows is going to fire him in a week.
2: Yeah, he probably just wants to throw him in the propeller and be done with him. Um, But, yeah, this was just such a pathetic game from the Cowboys. And I'm annoyed at myself that we didn't see this coming. You know, we were both on the Cowboys as road favorites in Philadelphia. And we said this a few weeks ago when we took the Cowboys versus the Bills. The Cowboys are the worst coach team in the NFL consistently. The Eagles, Doug Peterson has been a good coach. He does some weird things, but overall, he's a much better coach than Jason Garrett. This is a much better coach team than the Cowboys, and we didn't see it. why we continue to fall into the trap with this Cowboys team. It's beyond me. It's, you know, the Cowboys are a public team. It's so irritating. I was watching the game on the plane, and I noticed Amari Cooper is on the bench, and his demeanor is terrible. He just— I know we get benched. He's probably upset, but he just looks like he doesn't care, and he didn't play well at all. Four catches, 24 yards. He didn't show up. Michael Gallup did have a nice game, five catches, 98 yards, but he dropped so many passes. You mentioned he dropped that huge play at the end of the game. And then when they had the second and five at the end of the game, that gets sacked. Like You can run the ball in that scenario. You still have your timeouts. You need a touchdown and two to – Tie the game like you could run the ball. There was more than enough time. That made no sense. The game plan sucked. Typical of the Cowboys. So I'm just so frustrated. I bet on this team today, and it just played out as you would expect. They're terribly coached. You know, Jason Garrett has lost the locker room this year finally, and they just come out uninspired. That's what we see. And from the Eagle side, Carson Wentz played well. You have to tip your cap to him. The receivers are ravaged by injury, and he continues to you know play better with these you know lower tier guys you never hear of miles sanders has stepped up so good for the eagles they clearly wanted the game more if you just watched it they played harder and they deserved it and the cowboys i'm so tired of it because they're like the lead story on espn and fox sports every week and they shouldn't be talked about they're a terrible team they continue to be and they have been for the last 20 years
1: yeah it's the Cowboys are just a fantasy football team that looks good on paper. Everyone owns all their guys and starts most of them week in, week out. So we all think that they're better than they actually are. But the talent's there, but the coaching is just totally missing. And it seems like the heart is just, like, sucked out of that team. Um, and, I mean, they got off to the 3 no start. They were destroying everyone. It was looking like they were a legitimate team. Uh, contender, but looking back on it, a knock on it was their uh, their schedule was light at the beginning, but I mean, they, they dismantled some bad teams in the NFL, which is what good teams do, and then I mean, you can't win the first three and then go on to lose what is this, four of the last 12? They've won four of the last 12, so it's Jason Garrett's time is up, um, which is a little sad. Um, he is... He does create these great moments like this, like benching a Mark Cooper for Tavon Austin in a pivotal game where uh, Zeke comes out on a drive where they're they're moving the ball. They're in Philly's, possess- Philly's territory. I think Zeke maybe had some kind of head or neck injury, kind of hit his head. They talked about it. I thought it was weird he wasn't in the game, and they give the ball to Tony Pollard who fumbles. They just – this team – like it looks so good on paper, but just they like can't ever put it together. But you know what? Bottom line is this under was the opposite of a sweat, so I will take it, which moves me to nine and seven on the year and Tyler to nine and seven on the year. So, Tyler, I mean, you can't really script this much better than going into week 17.
2: Yeah, it'll be exciting. And like the Tony Pollard fumble, just bad teams make bad mistakes like that. Badly coached teams do that. Who are the people? I think it's in London, like, the guards who just stand out there and they don't, like, react to anything. What what are they called? Um, You know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't know the names, though.
2: But, like, that's what Jason Garrett is. I was watching. The statue. His nickname's a clapper. He doesn't show any emotion. He doesn't move. He just stands there, and it's so frustrating when you're rooting for them, and he's not, like, doing anything, and he's the head coach. They had the fourth and one in the fourth quarter with, like, 13 minutes ago they don't go for that okay really didn't make sense to me they punt they end up stopping the eagles they get the ball back and then they go for it on fourth and nine I mean they ended up converting it but it's just like there's no rhyme or reason to anything they do they're so pathetic I mean Dak you can't trust him to throw the ball 44 times in the game like I don't know if he's worth the contract they're probably going to give him, but again, I think it falls a ton on the coaching staff. Like If they had a competent coach in there who knew how to coach football and motivate people, I think Dak would be a lot better, so we'll see. I'm, I'm hoping Garrett gets fired. I mean, I don't see how he survives after this. Missing the playoffs this year is so disappointing for them, but... Before we take a quick break, let's talk about the Rams-49ers game. We were watching this together, um, so that's always a treat. The 49ers won 34-31. to 31. <laughs> Thrilling game. Um, thrilling bar. Thrilling bar. Mike's shout-out <laughs> Miami. Um, so that was fun. But, yeah, 49ers get a, a much-needed win in this game. Um, they pulled it out late. Jimmy G was very up and down, but... When it matters, he made big plays, and that's what you want out of your quarterback. Um, but for me, the biggest takeaway from this game, which continues to be a concern, is the defense. They've had a lot of injuries, and it is a reason they have fallen off. But also, every team has injuries, so you don't want to make a huge excuse out of it. They showed the stat. Uh, the first 12 weeks of the season, they led the NFL in sacks. The last four or five, they're you know bottom of the league, and they didn't sack off, so... I think the 49ers are going to have to make an adjustment. Teams have started to catch on to what they're doing, and as the injuries have piled up, they've slowed down a little bit. So that's what is the bigger takeaway from this game for me. I thought their defense was going to play well in this game after the Atlanta game, and they kind of came out and got punched in the face pretty quickly. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I think they definitely need D Ford back, but bottom line was this was a game they had to win to basically continue to control their own destiny they have to go on a five-game winning streak to win the Super Bowl and now it's four so that's really what matters here but I mean this Rams team is so Jekyll and Hyde like they looked great on a lot of drives in this game Jared Goff was like I mean McVay had a great game plan early in this game where he was running him around essentially rolling him out anytime he had to pass the ball. And then 49ers finally caught on a little bit and kept him in the pocket, but his numbers were still really solid. But this game, the first half kind of reminded me of uh, the New Orleans first half where you look up and you're like, how are the 49ers winning? Uh, but they were up at the end of the first half. Basically Fred Warner is a huge pick six on just a bad play by Jared Goff. But that was massive. Um, the 49ers were down twenty one to ten. Mostert scores right before the two minute warning on a sixteen yard run, and then Fred Warner has a pick six before the two before the second. Sorry, before the first half is over. So it's a huge swing there. But the Rams didn't back down either. Uh, I mean, they're playing for their playoff lives. Cup had a nice touchdown, but bottom line is, like you said, Jimmy G has just been clutch this year. The guy. He can look terrible at times through like through a couple of uh questionable passes. Got happy feet a couple times in the pocket against let's let's not forget Aaron Donald and this Rams defensive front is dominant. Um, so it is against one of the best in the league, but he came to play when it mattered. They convert a couple of massive third and sixteens on the last drive. His last throw to Emmanuel Sanders was pretty awesome under pressure. And, I mean, there are six-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. Um, they end up covering, covering our tees, and the over was smashed pretty pretty early in this one. I think the over-under was 40, 44 and a half. Um, So, again, big win, and it gives the NFL exactly what they want, which is next week's Sunday night football game prime time. Everything is online uh, for the 49ers, whether home field or not. And the crazy thing is, Tyler, I saw on Twitter, the 49ers can technically still get the sixth seed, I think, if they lose next week and the Vikings win out. So there's the NFC is just so stacked. Then you look at the AFC, and you have this mish mosh, moshing pit of just terrible teams vying for the sixth seed. I mean, I guess the Titans are okay, but it's just Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to think about that scenario if the
2: Forty ers drop uh, next week. But it's it's a huge game. The NFL got what they want, so it'll be exciting. And I'm going to continue to say, George Kittle, he should be considered in the MVP. Then I mean, Lamar has sewn it up. At this point, he's going to win. But I think Kittle, and Michael Thomas have to be like the two other guys that are in the MVP non quarterbacks. Those two guys are so valuable to their team. 49ers' offense was doing nothing in The second half and then shanahan dials up a play action gets the ball to kittle he has a big gain and then he has the touchdown jimmy g made a nice scramble and kittle came back to it so just the plays he makes and then the run blocking like he's incredible he gets their offense going when it is it's in a rut so he had another nice game um So hopefully you get some consideration there, and like we said, next week is huge. But let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll touch on a couple other games and then give out our Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week. All right, Cody, let's move on to the Texans-Bucks game, just another all-time Jameis game. He had four interceptions in this one, and as Bill Simmons pointed out a few weeks ago, the 30-30 season for him is still alive. He's at 30 touchdowns, and now he's at 28 interceptions. So he he only needs to throw two next week for the first ever 30-30 season. Absolutely incredible. And what I love about this whole thing is, you know, Twitter, there's obviously always a lot of fighting on, and people are always very decisive on what side they're on. It feels like with this Jameis thing, everyone's on the same page where it's so entertaining, it's so fun, it's such a roller coaster. Everyone's on when he throws the first pick, the timing of it. The lines of the books are putting out for Jameis to throw an interception (laughs) are just insane. Our book is minus 285 this week (laughs) that do throw an interception. That's basically the equivalent to like a seven point favorite at home. So it's absolutely wild. Um, Jameis is so much fun. We were watching the Indiana game together on Saturday and we were following the Bucks game. He throws the pick six like five minutes in and then. I was watching it and I was like, "Oh, he just got picked again. It got returned for another touchdown, (laughs) but it got it got called back for a penalty."
1: So the Jameis experience
2: is incredible.
1: He's pure gold, and I think that's a great point, Tyler. Um, I think everyone's pretty divisive uh, just generally. I'd say these days on Twitter, Um, but Jameis truly for NFL fans everywhere. Mine is diehard Bucks fans. I imagine I imagine James Winston must drive them fucking nuts, but for everyone else, he's just pure gold. He's exactly what you want out of football. Um unless you had him kind of starting in your fantasy final. It's just so, so entertaining. I am disappointed that that game didn't hit the over. It's fifty. It was the first time I've I mushed it. I think they hit nine or ten in a row and I bet on it. Knows that, but um, his numbers are insane. He's leading the NFL in passing. He's thrown for over forty nine hundred yards. He's second in the NFL in touchdowns, and then then he's thirty first in the NFL in interceptions, which is essentially last with twenty eight. And I'm just looking at his profile on ESPN, and the first he
2: he has to lead. He has to lead. He has to have the most interceptions. You mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's sorted based on like you, you don't want to be one or you do want to be one in this ranking. Um, but ESPN basically queues up latest videos um, and it's Jameis at the press conference. And the quote of the video, the title is just when I don't turn the football over, I'll be a great quarterback. I just, you got to love it. We're on year, what, five of this um, every year. It's, it's the same nonsense. The Bucks said, that they'd bring him back. Uh, it seems like before the game. And you know what? I hope we just continue to get more and more starts out of him. It was looking last year. There were times where, where it was unclear whether he was going to continue to be a starter in the NFL, but the talent is definitely there. And, and um, I feel like we're kind of a few years ahead of this Tyler, like you're, you're two of Jameis we're like, he's, he's so fun to watch and bet on. Um, and it, I mean, the entire world is taken by storm now because he's taken this to a whole other level. Yeah, he's only gotten
2: like better at his entertainment value. Like, he, I guess you'd say he's having a good season, right? I mean, mine, like the turnovers are a killer, but the Bucks are 7-8. But, but when
1: he doesn't turn the football over, I'll be, he won't be a great quarterback.
2: That's true. If I hit every three-pointer, I'd be in the NBA, but yes, can't exactly. can't can, 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 can get what you want. But, I mean, they're seven and eight, and how many games has he killed them in with these interceptions? The 49er game that opened the season, he threw two pick-sixes in that game. This game, he kills them, so it has to drive Bruce Arians crazy, and they announced he came, they're going to bring him back. I mean, they're probably regretting that announcement, and I think he's going to easily get the two interceptions next week because the thing is godwin's out mike evans is out so now he's playing with these you know second tier receivers and he's going to continue to force the same throws he made to those guys and you know mike evans and godwin who are both top 10 receivers they can make some great plays on the ball and avoid the interceptions you're not going to get the same thing with these guys so i'm excited for jamis and i hope they they acknowledge it at the game or give him some sort of trophy, so I love it. I love him. If not, Uh,
1: he'll be be showered on the Twitter streets. If not.
2: Yeah, it'll be like when Breeze broke the record uh, last week. It'll be similar (laughs) action at the game, but let's... Touch on the Saints-Titans game quickly uh, before we move on to our Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week. The Saints won 38-28. Impressive game for the Saints. They went down 14-0 quickly, and it felt like this was going to be one of those Titans games that just drives me crazy. And it did early on. They had a reverse touchdown for A.J. Brown. So that's your BS Titans touchdown out of the way. But Saints fought back and played well. Um, Kamara had his first big game of the year, or... First big game in a while, I'd say. Over 100 total yards, six catches, two touchdowns, so if they could get him going, going into the playoffs, that's huge. So, big win for the Saints and the Titans. They will lose, which is disappointing, but, you know, they came into today tied. Same record as the Steelers. The Steelers lost, the Titans lost, and now the Titans are the sixth seed right now, and they control their own fate. So, it's weird the way that works, the tiebreakers. So Not the end of the world for them, but They had some chances here to win this game.
1: Yeah, the game really, like you said, didn't mean anything for them, but they played well all in all. The Saints just hit you with an offensive barrage in the second half. They put up 28 points, and... You briefly mentioned it earlier. Michael Thomas has just been insane this year. He had 12 catches, 136 yards, one touchdown. And it's just an every week thing. He broke uh, Marvin Harrison's reception record for a single season. Um, So this, I mean, this Saints team, they went on the road. They proved they could do it in an outdoor venue. And bottom line is, like, if they're – their game will travel just because now it's less. So I feel like relying on Drew Brees in the passing game. When you have Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray, I think they can lean on that more in the playoffs. Um, so it, I mean, yeah, the the public was all over the saints in this game, including yourself, Tyler, and it did have all the makings early of just being a classic Titans game, even without Derek Henry. Um, but, I mean, it. bottom line is we're set up here for a wild week 17 uh, for this sixth seed. In the AFC, we have four teams in the picture, including still the Oakland Raiders, which RIP to my wins under bet, thought that had legs, but then enter the Los Angeles Chargers, the most, the most pathetic team in the NFL. Um, but I don't know. I think the Titans are like weirdly entertaining. So I guess I do hope they get the sixth seed.
2: Yeah, I think out of all the teams, I mean, if we're ranking it, I think I want the Raiders to get in just because that would be insane if the way they have to get in. It's it's not out of the realm of possibility. So the scenario they get in next week, they have to win their game versus Denver. The Ravens have to beat the Steelers, which I guess will be tough because I feel like the Ravens will probably rest a lot of guys. Texans have to beat the Titans, and the Colts beat the Jaguars. So it's not insane. I feel like we've had crazier things happen. So I'd love to see the Raiders get in. After that, the Titans, Titans Chiefs would probably be a pretty good game, and I'm so done with the Steelers. They're terrible. Um, But quickly on Michael Thomas, I mean, he breaks Marvin Harrison's record. He's incredible. I feel like he's still kind of underrated as the best receiver in the NFL. I've had him on fantasy the last two years, and he's so reliable. Nice. Yeah, I, I haven't, won any t- haven't won any titles with him, but <laughs> I have a lot of fun having him on my team. He's incredible. Um, you know, when the best receiver in the NFL is talked about, I feel like everyone always says Julio, Odell, AB when he's still in the league. Michael Thomas has consistently been the best receiver the last couple of years. And the crazy thing is they don't have like a great number two receiver. Kamara, the backfield is very good. But, you know, lining up across from him has been like Traquan Smith, Ted Ginn, Taysom Hill. And the other team knows the ball's going to him and he still gets open and still finds ways to make plays. So he's incredible. Um, Just an awesome season for him. But let's move on to
1: our Grandpa Billy's bum of the Week. Cody, you could go first. Uh, Thank you Tyler. So we already briefly spoke about it but someone has to give Jason Garrett their grandpa Billy's bumble week. I feel like the awards kind of made for people like him at this point to describe how poorly that team's effort was in Philly today with their entire season on the line. I know they technically still have a chance next week but that team's dead and it's it was just so pathetic. I'm excited to see what the line is for the Redskins Cowboys game next week because I feel like the Redskins could be a good play. I feel like that team is going to be so deflated. Um, and Garrett, you mentioned it—just a lifeless look on the sideline, um, no real energy. Seems like he aspires, inspires absolutely no one, and this team is just sick of him at this point. And. I just don't know how you go into a must-win game after scoring over 40 against a Rams defense that I would say is better than this Eagles defense. And then you go into Philly and lay an absolute dud like this. So a lot of that's on him. Dak, I wanted to see more out of him just because I think at time he really does show flashes, but he missed a lot of open guys in this game. Um, and I think this we've got one more game with Jason Garrett. NFL and then I don't know what his next move. Is. I mean if he wants to come on the podcast and get his chops in for maybe ESPN or Fox Sports One, wherever, he eventually becomes a talking head, like we'd we'd welcome him on, but I uh I don't know what his next move is, but he's he's my grandpa Billy's bum of the week.
2: I don't know how he would go on to an ESPN or Fox Sports because he's been so criticized and so made fun of all these years. Like He's going to go on to ESPN and be respected in that room when he talks about you know, coaching in the NFL. It's kind of a tough uh, transition for him, but good choice by you. He's, he's nothing but a yes-man and a puppet for Jerry Jones. That's, that's, <laughs> the, that's the crux of this issue for the Cowboys. Jerry yeah. Jones, no other team in the nfl has their owner getting interviewed after every game and that seems like where everyone's going for the the hot quote and everything so it's a bad look they showed J- jerry jones in the box with chris christie and when it was 17 to 9 um i, I don't know if the cowboys just failed the fourth down At some point where it seemed like they're gonna lose and they showed J- jerry jones getting up and leaving so hilarious uh scene and you know they <laughs> they mentioned like the names of who the next Cowboys coach could be potentially it's been pretty wide ranging like Urban Meyer, Jim Harbaugh, Nick Saban, Cowherd was saying like none of these guys none of these guys are going to go in to Dallas and have to answer to Jerry Jones cuz he's such an overbearing owner that's why him and Jimmy Uh, Johnson didn't work out years ago they won the Super Bowls but he kind of forced him out after that for no reason so it's they're gonna have a hard time filling that role until Jerry Jones takes that step back which why would he change he's the way he is he's in his
1: 70s 80s he's not changing at this point Jerry's in win now mode um because he's getting up there and he quite frankly I think he's he just wants one more uh before before he kicks the can and the team had this team has talent uh so he he needs to find a head coach that can come in there and do something that's a good point you have though we spoke about it i mean we joked about it last year what does jason garrett have on jerry jones that's still kind of in play here um so we'll see how bad the uh the blackmail actually is but i think i think he's on his last legs but good run by him not really but entertaining nonetheless Tyler who's your grandpa Billy's bum of the week
2: so my grandpa Billy's bum of the week going over to another coach who's just incompetent uh Freddie <laughs> kitchens the Browns they're just such a comedy of errors we were watching the game in the airport together they had a first and goal uh, Baker makes a really nice pass gets them down to the one they were down I think 15 at this yeah they're down 15 at this point. First and goal, you have Nick Chubb, one of the best running backs in the NFL, Kareem Hunt, and they just throw it, like a quick screen or a quick slant, incomplete. And then they get to fourth down. They don't get it, but there's a penalty on the Ravens, so they get a new set of downs. They end up scoring. So the Browns' red zone offense continue It's just been a train wreck all season. But they did score. They're down nine with eight minutes left in the game. So at this point... They go for two, which makes no sense. They don't get it. Now they're down two possessions. People be like, oh, the analytics you give yourself. If you get the two, then you could go for the two again and win. But at this point, with eight minutes left in the game, in the game where your offense isn't moving the ball well, you need to be as close as you possibly can. So in that scenario, you have to kick the extra point to make it a one-possession game. They don't get it. And then Odell, I don't know if you saw this, Cody, after the, the play is screaming at Freddie Kitchens, Um, on the sidelines, so everything's okay in Cleveland. They said they're not going to trade Odell in the offseason. The Giants said the same thing, and they ended up trading him, so I wouldn't rule that out. This Browns season has just been an absolute dumpster fire, and Freddie Kitchens just continues to mind-boggle me with his play calling and then decision-making. He's just not fit to be a head coach. It's as simple as that. Was Hugh Jackson better? I don't know. I mean, Hugh Jackson...
1: The they thing had with less K-
2: talent. This this team's pretty good on paper. Thing with uh, Hugh Jackson is he'd been around for so long. Like that's why he's so, you know, pathetic. He's pretty veteran coach. Like Freddie Kitchens. This is his first year. Maybe gets better. I don't see that happening. So I'll give him some of that, you know, inexperience. And this team is just absolutely out of control with the personality, So. They're going to need to bring in. I mean, I don't know if they're going to get rid of him after one year. I think they should because the team does has have some talent, and Baker Mayfield has taken such a huge step back in his sophomore year. Like, you can't continue to waste his development, when, especially when you took him number one. If Freddie Kitchens is going to continue to coach like this, you need to get, you know, Ron Rivera, Mike McCarthy-type guy in there. But... We'll see uh, but Freddie catches in my bum the week when they went for two. I was just is it hysterical They're They're just so stupid
1: It's that team has been non-stop entertainment and going into the game today I mean they went up six nothing and they theoretically saw a shot to make the playoffs um, They needed about 82 different things to happen um, but obviously, if you lose the, the game today, nothing else matters. And on the other side of the ball, Baltimore locks up home field. Good for them. They continue to roll. Um, but yeah, these the coaches continue to be uh, sources of nonstop content on a weekend week out basis. There's no, there's no way he's coming back, right, Freddie Kitchens? I don't, I don't know. I feel like
2: they're you know fire guy after one year. That's a bad look, but. In my opinion, I mean, you know this. I think most every coach should probably be fired at some point. But there's no reason to hold on to him. And when the just the season has gone this way, it's been so terrible. The outbursts on the sidelines. John Dorsey is good GM. He's brought in talent. He used to swallow his pride. admit he made a mistake with the Freddie Kitchens hire. Because his team has talent. The AFC is... You know, weaker. We look at the wild card. There's no reason the Browns shouldn't be in that discussion. Um, so I think you have to get a veteran coach in there who could control locker room, who could help develop Baker, and you know, salvage what this team has um, and turn around the, f- the fortune of this franchise because they were in the game for most of it. I didn't think Baltimore played amazing, but just the coaching and just the personalities, it's it's not working.
1: No, no, and I mean they they were covering for a lot of the game, but ultimately Baltimore scores a touchdown late in the fourth, so they win and get the cover, um, so good for them, but yeah, Tyler, I think this, this wraps up a late Sunday edition of the week 16 Sunday Scaries pod, and wow, we only have one more regular season week, time flies when they're picking winners, oh, sign note Tyler, Guess you didn't congratulate me, but This is going to be my third straight week up. Congrats to you. Um, Thank you. So we'll be back this week
2: with the Pick'em Pod previewing the Week 17 games.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns.